Welcome to Copy Chief Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers. This is the show where you hear directly from all the experts at copychief.com how to write better, sell more, and have a greater impact using the power of your words. Let's do it. Hey, welcome back to Copy Chief Radio. I'm the Chief. It's Kev Rogers here. Thanks for being with us. And another hot one for you. This is going to be great. Hillary Styles is one of our illustrious members in Copy Chief, and she is a proven results-driven copywriter. Has been in the game quite a while and is doing lots of very cool, interesting work outside of what we might call out of the norm of direct response. And she recently did a super cool project that she was generous enough to come on and, and give us some insights about in Copy Chief. And now she's coming on here to Copy Chief Radio to go even deeper into it. You're going to love this project and learning from Hillary. So Hillary Styles, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's going to be super fun. So I don't want to steal the thunder here. This is your thing and it's super cool. So tell us about the project and how it, how it came to be and all that good stuff. Yes. I've been working with Frank Oz, and Frank is just a brilliant guy. He's an actor. He's directed several films. He's also pretty well known for his performance of Yoda in the old Star Wars films. Yeah. Um, but, but what's most interesting to me is his work on The Muppets. Um, he worked very closely with Jim Henson, who happens to be one of my biggest heroes. And Frank worked on everything from like The Muppet Show to Sesame Street to The Labyrinth, um, which is one of my favorite films. And he performed one of my favorite Muppet characters, which is Miss Piggy, who, when I was a kid, I thought was, like, the craziest and most awesome chick ever. Like, <laughs> almost as cool as Cindy Lauper. Not quite, but pretty close. So I've been super lucky to work with Frank and his wife, Victoria LeBalm. You know Victoria. Mm -hmm. She's pretty awesome in her own right. And they've been working on this documentary, um, which, which is kind of what we're working to produce right now. Yeah, and so the documentary, I'll let you tell us about it, but it's a, it's kind of a, you know, insider look into the uh, people who created these Muppet characters that we all grew up with, and uh, I'm with you. I remember just seeing the name Frank Oz my entire life, right? Yeah, totally. As a kid watching the Muppets, and it's interesting to look back now, and this must have been super cool for you to like be on the inside, how influential those characters were especially for, I mean, I'm 47 so I was right in the pocket of just being a young viewer and I, I didn't know it then but looking back now I think wow like what a dynamic portrayal of people you'll meet through life right everybody kind of absolutely kinda, true yeah like everybody <laughs> knows the, the guy who's the animal you know and, yep. and I turned out to be way more Fozzie Bear than I would have anticipated and <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's so yeah. true. You you were yeah, you were a big Muppets fan growing up, huh? Oh my God, huge! Yeah, in fact, um, you know, it was funny because I was talking to my mom, and you know, when I told her I was working with Fr Frank Oz, she was like, "Oh my God, that's so cool!" And she tells me this story. She was like, "You know, when you were little and you were just learning to stand up, we put on the Muppet Show because it was your favorite show, and you would climb up in front of the TV and press your hands up against the screen and like bop up and down and dance to the music." <laughs> so yeah, it's um, I, I am a lifelong huge Muppet fan, so this was a pretty cool gig for me. 
That's great. And so how different, uh, get into the details of the project itself. I, I love the work you did on it. Are we, is it up live yet where we can put a link in the show notes? Yeah, for sure. So um, right now it's just an opt-in page, but it's at uh, MuppetGuysTalking.com. All right, great. MuppetGuysTalking.com. And I, we had an early look and uh, just some of the fun little stuff you were able to do on the page, right? That just gave it a ton yeah. of personality. But how different was this project from what you're, what were you sort of doing up until then? Are you, are you all over the place or was it, were you in the pocket of kind of one niche or what was happening? I, I am a little bit all over the place. I've worked on various stuff. I, you know, I've been focused a lot lately on helping people do their launches. So a lot of copywriting for launches, launch strategy, things mm -hmm. like that. But it's pretty diverse, the things I've worked on. And actually, I like it that way. I feel like, you know, every, every project, every client is a new learning experience and a way for me to grow. And this one just happened to be particularly cool because mm -hmm. I'm such a mega fan of the Muppets. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, great. So bring us into the project a little bit and uh, tell us what, what you learned from it. Yeah, so this the project itself was kind of the brainchild of Victoria LeBalm. She she had this great idea. Um, she's married to Frank, and she thought it would be fun to get some of these original Muppet guys together to talk about their work with Jim Henson. And so they brought in these five guys. I should mention, actually, that one of the guys is a woman. Um, but they I noticed that, yeah. I yeah, that. right? <laughs> they have a little discussion about this in the film, too, where she's like, heck yeah, I'm one of the guys, you know? Yeah, that's funny. It's just great. easier, yeah, much longer, yeah. much shorter title than Muppet Guys and One Girl Talking. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so they brought everybody in, and they set up some cameras, and, and they just started talking. Um, and so what, what follows is these amazing stories about like how they created their characters, what it was like to work with Jim Henson, the crazy pranks they played on each other, and basically just how much fun they had working together on all these amazing projects. That's great. And so you're brought on to this, and how, how much sort of direction are you given as the copywriter to help kind of launch this? You know, it was interesting, like... When they came to me, they just, at, at that point, they needed an opt-in page. Um, and it was sort of just like, okay, here's what we've got. Um, I had already kind of, I'd been able to see the film, which was really cool. And so I'd, I'd written up a bunch of ideas and notes that I had. And they seemed to go over pretty well. And they actually used some of it for, um, for the film description. And so... I think that they just at that point were like, all right, let's see what you can do. And so I started putting out some stuff and like, if you want to, I can just jump to like sort of what it was like to work in the project. Yeah. Um, it was kind of an interesting experience. So uh, like one night I get this email from Victoria saying like, can we help with the opt-in page? Because they wanted to have something ready for when the film was announced. Um, it was about to be announced at the South by Southwest film festival as like one of the, the top things. And so I jumped at the chance, of course. Um, the challenge for me was the night before I had pulled an almost all-nighter finishing another project. Mm. And then we had a deadline of about 36 hours to get it done. Mm. So we started working and I was, I was definitely like putting a bit of pressure on myself to do a great job. But I never actually felt pressure from Frank and Victoria. Frank was actually very patient and appreciative throughout the process. And what was interesting is he talked a lot about how important it was to Jim to create an environment where everyone, no matter how big or small their role, feel appreciated. 
and to have the freedom of their own ideas and creativity. And they talk a lot about the same stuff in the film, um, like how Jim's leadership helped create this perfect environment for collaboration and fun. And so this was really how we worked together on the project. Um, And even though I slept like four hours that night and Mm. spent almost next day, you know, entire day completing it, I was having so much fun the whole time. Um, And I really felt like I was part of a team where everybody was valued and putting forward their best work, which was, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. Very cool. So what were some of the things that really stood out in the film itself since it's not available yet? I just got on the waiting list to find out when it, you know, be the announcement, but give us some of the insights that you took away from, from Jim Henson and how he led the team. Yeah. So that was probably one of my favorite parts of working on this project. Um, like the idea of getting to work with someone who had such an influence on my life was like awesome. And the best part was it was like everything I hoped it would be. It was, it's always great when somebody you admire, like actually lives up to your expectations and, and working with Frank on this project, I just really exceeded mine because as we started, you know, I I look at the film and they talk a lot about kind of, you know, how kind of the stuff we talked about before, how important it is to work together collaboratively to, um, to have fun no matter what you're doing. And all of this came through in the process of working with Frank. I really felt like he was very much in alignment, um, like with, with the way that Jim was a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's one of the best parts of the film is, is it really reminds us of like how much value we all have to bring as individuals. Um, and I don't know how much I can talk about the content specifically, but I will say there are a lot of good stories in there. Um, and it makes you just, you know, for me, I was watching it like, oh, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have done it because Mm -hmm. it just sounds like they had so much fun. And there were so many, you know, crazy things going on in the background that as viewers, of course, we never saw uh, their own personalities. They, you know, they talk about, oh, we do? Yeah, we're back. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You were saying, uh, yeah, you wish you could have been there and it seemed like so much fun. Yeah, it did. And like they, they talk about, kind of how their characters came about, sort of mm. what was the inspiration for their characters. And it's it's everything from, like, you know, people they knew to their pets to, you know, their own um, idiosyncrasies, and, idiosyncrasies, excuse me, and such. And they just pull all of these elements together into their original idea of a character. And then from there, it just, you know, I, I almost feel like after watching it, like the characters sort of developed almost like real people do. Like they start yeah. out with basic framework, but then over time they just become more and more themselves and the more lovable they become. Yeah. It's like the little nuance in the interaction between the characters, you know, uh-huh. there's like the big stuff, like, you know, the dynamic between the sexual tension between uh, Miss Piggy and Kermit. Right. Totally. Uh, and then like, there's sometimes just the smallest little nuance to some of the other relationships that it is very much, it is how real people go about interacting. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, I've heard stories, um, I, don't, I can't remember the name of the gentleman who does uh, uh, Elmo, 
but he was uh, Matt Lauer was telling a story about hiring him for his kid's birthday party. You know, which is what you do when you're a big TV star. You get the right. actual guy, you know, to come to your kid's party. <laughs> right. And, and he said, and the guy shows up and he's got the puppet on his hand. And, and he's like, and so Lauer's like, what, what are you going to do? Like hide behind the couch or something? Or, you know, he's like, no, nope, I'm just going to stand in front of them. And uh, he's like, yeah, but don't like ruin the effect. He goes, they won't even notice me. He goes, <laughs> yes. The second Elmo starts talking, I disappear. And he said it was 100% true. He couldn't believe it. But that's, you know, that's the power of uh, a great puppeteer, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the big things I took from the film, too, is sort of like, you know, this was we, we kind of think of these characters and the people who who, quote, do them as just doing the voice. But it's really so much more than that, like to puppeteer. You know, sometimes there are multiple people, um, you know, sort of maneuvering the character in sync with the person talking and they're not just talking. It's like it's a whole acting job. They've got this full character that they're that they've developed and that, like you said, is interacting with the other characters. And it's just um, it's actually really amazing what they do. Yeah. Because imagine if you like just not in the mood that day, right? You know, (laughs) you have no no choice to, you know, these characters are so outrageous and colorful and mm-hmm. you know it's like you can't just phone it in one time it's like you said other people are relying on you and it's, it's really fascinating it um, is so t- tell me about you 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 shared some great stuff in copy chief about mm-hmm. you know what it was like working with frank and how he guided you sort of finding the voice of of the copy for this project yeah, totally. So, like, being a Muppet fan, I drafted copy originally that I thought was really clever. I used, you know, solid copy strategies and kind of blended it with silly Muppet-esque language. And when I showed the initial drafts to Frank, he told me they were, like, too cute for the Muppet. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Right. And so this is when it got really cool because like I had so much respect for Frank. I tried to be really open to learning from him. Mm. Um, And this turned out to be one of the smartest things I could have done because he took the opportunity to really mentor me um, and inject these really cool stories about how Jim, you know, worked with his team. And so Frank was explaining to me like how the Muppets were never too cute and how like Jim and the other guys really didn't like cute that much. Um, And one of the things Jim always encouraged was restraint. And so instead of being overly clever or kitschy, they really tried to let the spirit of the characters speak for themselves. Um, He told me this funny story about the Bean Bunny Muppet. Do you remember this guy? He was like, he was a Muppet Christmas Carol. He's like this, like just obnoxiously cute bunny. No, I don't. Oh, yes, I do actually. Yeah. So apparently Jim created Bean Buddy to be a martyr for cuteness so that all the cuteness onus was off the other Muppets. Wow, funny, (laughs) interesting. And so I never really thought about it, but looking back, it's, you know, it's true. Like the Muppets weren't really about cute. um, And maybe that's part of what made it so brilliant. And so, you know, this is kind of, this is how I had to adjust how Mm. I was approaching the copy. Um, And really in the end, what we came up with was much more true to the spirit of the project. And it still had a bit of Muppet charm. Like, you know, I kind of, this was the give and take part and why it was so great to work with Frank. Cause I was like, we can't strip the Muppets from it completely. Like as a fan, I want to see like a little something yeah. 
left in here. And fortunately, he really liked just the couple things I did. Like in the little pop-up, it just says, you know, you enter in your email address and it says Menomina. And at the bottom, the disclaimer, instead of having wordy legal language, which says, meet, 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 you know? Which is how we read legal language anyway, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it's great. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah, and that's a great lesson in that. Of their, John Carlton always teaches, you go nuts on the first draft, right? Like, go totally over the top, and then you back it down from there. And, it, you know, it doesn't sound like you went, like, nuts, but like you said, it, it, that's a good note to get. Ah, this is a little too much, right? Because yep. so much better to back something down than to try to beef it up. Because now you've got this thing that's sort of like limp and there's, you know, little pockets of interesting in it. Where yeah. if you have something that's kind of over the top and big and dynamic and you tame it, it, it it's much easier to have consistency throughout, right? And, and really choose where to keep the color. That's so true. And I think that's absolutely right. Like, because I don't think had I had I started low key, I don't think I would have come up with the parts that actually landed in there. I mm -hmm. think I was just kind of on a roll with the cute overkill. And mm -hmm. so we were, you know, that that gave rise to like the, the parts that ended up sticking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really great. Love it. Really fascinating. How is this? Um... Is it kind of affected projects since then? You know, what parts of this are sticking with you? Well, you know, I'm still actually working on the project. We're mm. kind of moving more now into, like, um, copy for social media and, you know, for all the other kind of moving parts and also into the bigger general strategy of of the project. And so... Um, I'm really looking forward to just continuing working on that. And it's interesting. In the meantime, I have this um, this other project with a brilliant woman named Annie Pratt. She's she's a team and leadership development specialist. She's she's helped a lot of the big guys in our industry, like really um, like be able to manage like how quickly they're growing and just be awesome leaders and create really high performing teams. And as I'm working on her stuff, I'm actually, you know, because it's team and leadership development is much less exciting than the Muppets, right? But now I'm finding myself like really trying to bring some fun and lightness and true voice to what she's doing instead of, you know, I think I was probably airing too much on the corporate -y sounding style. And so moving forward, like, I just, I feel like I've really kind of broken through a whole another layer of understanding and appreciating voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, great point. Yeah, it does. It, it all carries over. Right. It, and again, like why, why not try to go big on everything and make it stand out? Because that's the biggest mistake. I don't think copywriters make it as much as business owners make it. And that's trying to sound professional first, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, you, 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 do, you may do important work. And yes, it's important for the right people to know you're serious. But if that's the only gear you have, oh God, that gets boring fast. It does get boring fast. And it's hard to retain attention, especially when something sounds like work, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> 
that's it's a it's a hard sell to to get people to you know do and it's just like this with everything right with like dieting and weight loss and you know all these other health topics and it's it's always sort of like, yeah, this sounds really great, but I know it's going to be hard work. Yeah. And I think that's that's the thing we're always trying to get over with copy is is that inertia, you know, that's created by just knowing deep down that, you know, no matter how good this sounds, you know, you're going to have to do some work. And so you better make it sound pretty darn compelling. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I, I, I think those days of marketing are really fading fast of okay, let me be a little honest with you here, but it's all going to be in this voice of spin that says, ah, come on, it's really nothing if you think about it this way, right? Yes. And people are just kind of like, come on, please. Like, I'll tell me what's up and I'll decide if, if I'm in or not. And I, I would just much rather have that, that client, that customer, uh, that member than, you know, convincing somebody to come in and then having them find out it's not what they expected. It's, you know, Dean Jackson talks about compel rather than convince. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a more interesting, it's a longer play, but so much better in the end. It is. What, um, I also know Hillary, you're, forget personal for a moment. Let's. <laughs> uh, you're a single mom. Uh, yep. And this is a passion of yours, kind of helping other single mothers do what? Grow businesses? Um, no, it's not focus? actually business. It's, okay. it's more like um, self-care, personal development, mm. the things that we tend to um, set aside in order to take care of our kids. Single moms especially, I think, mm. really struggle with that. And so to, that's really what I want to create is kind of a community where other single moms can you know, share their advice and give input. And I want to interview top experts to make sure that, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving advice that I'm not qualified to give. Mm. Um, but it's really, for me, it's, it's exciting because, you know, I, I'll get to talk to people who I would really love to have conversations with about things that I care about and then have, you know, have it bring value to so many other people. Um, and hopefully, you know, give single moms some more support. I think this is, you know, I, all of us know single moms, um, yeah. Many of us are, myself included. I'm like 14 years in, um, and I just think it's really, it's really needed. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, and you know, it's one of those things where single mom. I got it, it. I think we're maybe slowly evolving in how we view women's roles in society, and the fact that single mom. It doesn't mean a failed marriage always, you know? Yeah. Uh, that it, it, it should mean and probably most often does mean, well, it could obviously, it could be a widow. It could be all kinds of circumstances. I'm thinking of people I know in my life. Uh, but the, the instinct should be that, well, this is a woman who had the courage to break away from a bad situation and uh, raise a child solo which is, yeah. as you said, a very daunting proposition. It really is. <laughs> that's, that's how I started. Um, I, I left an abusive situation, you know, before my daughter was even a year old. And it was terrifying. Um, you know, and, and as I've talked to, I've talked to many other single moms, and it's amazing. Like, there's so much diversity um, in the way people 
came to be single moms. I mean, now there's a whole huge movement, single mom by choice, which is, you know, people who never were in a relationship and just decided, well, hey, I'm going to get pregnant because I want children. I haven't met, you know, the guy yet, mm-hmm. um, you know, or maybe they're, you know, LGBT, who knows? Like mm-hmm. they're, but really the core experience of it is the same. You're, you still face things that other parents don't face because you're, um, everything ultimately comes back to you. A lot of, you know, especially if you're a single parent without the other parent involved, like in my case, there are so many things you worry about. What happens to my child if something happens to me? Mm. You know, what, it, there, there's just a lot of pressure involved in the day-to-day of not having the other person to back you up. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I, I'm sure like you and your wife, take turns quite a lot and kind of manage different parts of the parenting thing. Um, Totally. It's a, it's a, it's very much a partnership in that regard. mm -hmm. Um, and to go about that with no backup makes it incredibly complicated to, to have, for instance, uh, if a child, you know, is ill and can't go to school for a couple of days because they have a fever, right? Yes. And and, and, And you have no choice but to get to your job. That is the total upheaval if there's if you don't have sitters and you don't have family and yeah it's so true and those situations happen a lot and then on the other side of it too I remember that there was this one time I got really sick and my daughter was only maybe like four and I was so sick that I I literally had to roll off the couch and take about half an hour like you know slothing across the floor to get to the bathroom <laughs> and this sweet little thing she would just like you know, come over, you know, when I'm like half in this half day's fever and sh- there'd be my little girl with this little cup of water in front uh-huh. of me, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's, it's terrifying sometimes, but it also really made me so much stronger. Um, and the other thing is I have a really close relationship with my daughter now, which I think it, the relationship wouldn't be quite what it is now had I raised her with another parent. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, not to mention... Uh, how much guidance and information we all need to be uh, learning and sharing about things like social media and these, you know, new things. My my son is 13, my daughter's 10. Uh, and so this is all these things that we just didn't have to deal with growing up, right? It's like yeah. similar issues, but they're come in and out of our child's lives in so many ways that we just didn't have. It was like you knew who you knew and you could – sort of size people up and to some degree yeah. avoid people you needed to avoid. And well, you hear these horror stories now, how people are manipulating and bullying with uh, social media. It's um, we need, we need each other more now than ever. So yeah, we absolutely do. It's funny. I, I hope my daughter doesn't ever hear this podcast because I totally read her texts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's not looking. I, because, do too. I tell my kids, you know? I tell them, yep. I go, I'm reading them and occasionally I'm going to sit you next to me while I read them and we're going to talk about them. So that might be dumb because it's just, you know, making them more crafty about ways to uh, (laughs) hide from me. But (laughs) I I give them, I I want them to know that I'm looking. I think they need that. I think they need to know we, we care that much. Yeah. So I, she knows that I, I've been very clear from the beginning that I have, since I pay for the phone and I, you know, I'm in charge of her 
that I get to read the text if I want. I try not to make it a point to tell her that I've read it unless there's something specific yeah. to deal with, just because she is really crafty. And you know? yeah, yeah, that's oh. a, yeah. The it, dangerous things like um, deleting. You know, they'll download an app, use it to DM. Yep. Uh, and apps you wouldn't expect, like like Quiz Up is one where it looks like it's just a little quiz game, but it has a, a direct message component. And mm-hmm. then they'll delete that app, you know? Right. Uh, here's a little tip for you, all you parents out there. I just discovered that on iPhone, you know, you can create a security login as the parent of the phone. Really? And yeah, and, and there is a uh, option on there where they can't delete an app. Which, again, sounds nefarious, but it's a great way to catch your kid if they're in that habit because they'll have that panic like, oh, my God, it won't delete. (laughs) Right. And uh, again, you know, look, look, here's my thing is like I went to at one point I I thought, oh, I have to get one of those little spy apps where I can see everything going in and out. Right. And look, there's nothing against that. It just felt weird to me. Like, yeah. I, I really don't want to spy on my kid. I want to trust my kid. Yeah. And I want my kid to be able to come to me and go, Dad, something weird's going on. Because I hear things now. I just heard a recent story about the, the way trolls are manipulating kids into doing horrible stuff Ooh. by scaring them and threatening them that if you don't do this, I'm going to do this to you and embarrass you, right? And wow. you're yeah, you're 10 and 13 years old and you're thinking – your instinct at that age is to just let me get out of this, even though I didn't do it or create it. Let me just do what this person's saying, and hopefully it goes away. And it just Oof. digs it deeper and deeper, right? And when I heard that story, my wife and I came home and we sat down with the kids and we said, "Listen, here's we just heard about this thing, and if you ever have a situation like this or you hear about this with a friend, the f- first thing you have to do is come talk to us because." There is help and there are ways out of it, but it might feel like you have no options, right? Right. And so just helping them try to be aware of the kinds of things people do because, you know, what we keep learning about technology is like the as secure as we can make it, we're always behind the, the thieves. The thieves are – they have better money. They're more resourceful. They have yeah. more, more energy to devote to it. They're more motivated and – as the defenders of, of good, we're always playing catch up to the to the purveyors of bad. And uh, communication is, is so critical in this. So I love that you're you're devoting yourself to this and, and you know, creating a place where where single women can come and just just empower each other. It's really exciting. Yeah, you're right. Takes a village, right? And if (laughs) just like with that app, you know, I'm I'm making this little mental note. And if we, you know, as a community, all have these things together, um, you know, have just the collective resource of you know all the things that we've learned and know and need to you know shelter our kids from and ways to, as you said, really help them through it and let them know ahead of time. Sort of here's what's going on. Here's here's the best way to deal with it. And I'm here. That's, I think it's funny. There's a thing with our generation where it's, you know, in so many ways we're, we're like helicopter parents. We're like Mm -hmm. too on it. When I was a kid, I'd take off on my bike after school and not be back until dark. And as long as I was back by dark, my mom was like, she's like, fine, you know, but now it's, yeah, it's good. It, it takes, um, even though we're a little too protective of our kids, 
these days, I think with technology the way that it is, it's it is so important to have communities. And it's just like your community, too. I mean, how many people like I, I go on there, I go on Copy Chief and, you know, I find these insights that I I don't have anywhere else. I don't you know, there's it's, copywriting has its own dialect almost yeah. where, you know, you talk to someone who's not a copywriter and they have no idea what you're, you know, they think you're talking about trademarks and copyright. You know? <laughs> oh, it's a lonely world. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love that, you know, just these community communities are becoming more common. Yeah. You know, it's, I feel like as a single mom, I would have loved to have something like that, um, which is why I want to create it. And I think people like you and Ryan Lee and all the people who are creating these awesome supportive communities is just is super valuable. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think it's fantastic. And it's funny, this conversation is, you know, a little more wandering than I typically do on this show. But it, it all makes perfect sense. First of all, I've enjoyed it. And I think it's all important stuff and relevant stuff. But it really fits into the theme with <laughs> the Muppets because going back, it's kind of also a role, I think, they whether intended or not had to take on, which was teaching. They, they were influencers of children. And that was obviously something, I guess if you're an entertainer, there's an obligation there. Right. And everybody now online is almost like a little celebrity, right? Mm -hmm. We we can, we can build these little worlds on Facebook and have thousands of people come see what we do. And, like it or not, I think there's some responsibility that comes with that. There absolutely is. And I think like one of the great things that the Muppets did and what I learned from, you know, this film and in working on this project is that it's, you know, it's so important to just to really value each other and who we are as individuals. Like when you think about the Muppets, like there were all these different types of characters, all these personalities but everyone was valued, everyone was welcomed. And that's such an important thing, especially with everything that's going on right now, for us to remember. Mm -hmm. That's great. Hillary, this was fantastic, really enjoyed it. And I hope you'll come back and, and do this again with us. Yeah, I'd love to, thanks so much. Thank you, talk soon. Okay, bye. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you dug the show. Come on over to copychief.com. That's where you'll find all the backlog, all the transcribes, all the show notes, and all the free weekly copywriting tips. Copychief.com.